0: Welcome back to Growing in Grace. So glad you can join me today. I don't know about you, but uh, I've really been concerned there's been some train derailments that have been in the news lately. Uh, you know, it seemed like in February of this year, 2023, uh, there was a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There's a member of our church that uh, shared with us on a Wednesday night that that's where his mom lived. And he was very concerned because the 38 train cars that went off the tracks, uh, some of them contained toxic chemicals uh, called vinyl chloride, and it spilled out and they burned uh, some of them and there was like a smoke in the air and so forth. So uh, we were praying for them. and But then there was another train wreck uh, in Florida where a tanker had uh, gone off the tracks and spilled 30,000 gallons of uh, propane gas. Uh, In Greece, there was a collision that unfortunately took the lives of 57 people. Uh, There was another one in South Carolina and one in Texas. And I know there's uh, definitely some that may be saying, hey, is this increasing? What's going on? So I did a little bit of research and I found that on average, there are 1,700 trail derailments each year in the United States. According to the Bureau of Transportation Statistics and the Department of Transportation, Federal Railroad Administration. Uh, one representative in Georgia, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, said that it equates to more than four derailments every single day. So I just got to thinking about derailments and had that on my, my mind anyway. But then I got to thinking about life, in my life, my testimony of how Christ changed me and you know the bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and so if we consider sin as something that would cause a life to be derailed then i found some really good news in acts chapter 3 verses 17 to 21 that i wanted to introduce uh, this passage to you but i want to call this devotion derailed by sin but back on track through Christ. There was a lame man that uh, was healed at the beginning of Acts chapter three. So that kind of uh, created uh, just a real encouraging atmosphere around the temple in Jerusalem. The crowds were amazed. They actually began to hang around Peter and uh, John that says that uh, they, they clung to them. And so all these people are gathering around them on the porch. And so right there on the porch, they call it the portico of Solomon's temple. Uh, Right there, Peter gives a message. Uh, This is not his first message in the book of Acts. It's actually his second. But uh, what he shared there, I find really encouraging because you may meet somebody this week, maybe even today, and their life is derailed by sin. But you can tell them there's good news for you because Christ can get your life back on track if you'll just turn to him. Let me read these verses to you. It's found in Acts chapter three, verses 17 to 21. And now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Wow. Such a great passage with a lot of hope, a lot of good news. So let's get right to it because you may need this to talk to a friend or perhaps your life is off track right now. And you would like to know, how can I get traction again? How can I move forward in my life? It all begins with the first section of this track, and that is the realization of our sin, the realization of our sin. You know, if you were to go back in Acts to chapter two, verse 37, there was a whole group of people there when Peter preached his first message. uh, And there they are in uh, chapter two, verse 37, it says they were cut to the heart. I believe that what was happening was they realized, I need Jesus in my life. I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need the Lord to, to make a... Make a way for me out of this dark place that I'm in. It's sort of like a parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15. It's referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. But the prodigal son, he, he demands his inheritance early while his dad's still living. He goes into the town and blows it all. He doesn't have any friends left once the money runs out, so he has to find a way to eat, so he's in the pig pen eating what the hogs were eating. And then it says right there in that place, he came to himself. That's exactly what Jesus said. Those are his exact words, that the prodigal son came to himself in Luke 15, verse 17. You know, I believe that's what's happening right here in verse 17. Peter's trying to help these people to realize, to come to themselves, to realize their need for Christ, to realize The seriousness of sin. And so he says, and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. And so he's calling them to accountability for their sin. You know, some people don't really uh, understand or maybe know that what they have done in their life is sin. But I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up how God sees it. You see, ignorance is not the same thing is innocence. Just because we didn't know when all of these ministries are out there to, to help us understand, just because we didn't know doesn't mean that we're innocent. As a matter of fact, even on the cross, Jesus said when he's there nailed between two thieves, he's an innocent man. But in Luke 23, 34, he says to the father, they do not know what they're doing to forgive them. Isn't that amazing? They didn't know what they were doing, but they're still accountable for what they've done. There's a book about uh, the great evangelist from the past named John Wesley. The book is called England Before and After Wesley. England Before and After Wesley. You see, in the early 18th century, vice was everywhere. Degradation was everywhere. Sin was spreading and rampant. But then... Wesley, John Wesley began to preach the word and people became convicted of their sin. And they realized these are not the things we should do. And so that realization of their sin led them to do the second thing. This is the second uh, piece of the track. If you were to follow Christ, and that is you have to come to a place where you say, can I really trust what God has said in the Bible? I believe that The second thing we need to consider is the reliability of the scriptures, the reliability of the scriptures. Do you feel that the Bible is a book that you can trust? I do. I honestly do. And I've been studying it for many years now. But uh, verse 18 says, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Isn't that incredible? You know, there's actually a lot of things that God foretold and a lot of things that he's already fulfilled. Some things he's not fulfilled yet. And the reason, well, he's not done. The future is still out there, you know. This is not the end. And so there's a lot of things that he said it's gonna happen, but it hasn't happened yet because it's not time on his schedule for those things to take place. But someone added them up, and I was reading an article just the other day that said there are 2,500 prophecies sprinkled throughout the Old and New Testaments, but 2,000 of the 2,500 have already been fulfilled. So it only leaves 500 left. But someone said, what would the odds be of all of those different prophecies about everything under the sun, so many different things, what would the odds be of all of those all 2,000 of those coming to pass. They said it would be like one in 10 to the 2,000th power. That's one with 2,000 zeros after it. It's not likely is basically what he's saying. You see, Jesus said to the father in prayer in John chapter 17, verse 17, he said, your word is truth. He had just said to sanctify them in truth, speaking of his disciples, but then he acknowledges to God the Father. This is God the Son talking to God the Father. And he says, your word is truth. You know, even the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 89, made this incredible statement. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the Bible always tells us the truth. You can count on it. There's not many places that you could go today and say, I know that I can trust what is written there or what they're saying there, but you can trust God. He's reliable. The scriptures have been around a long time and have already borne incredible fruit. But I wanna say that if you acknowledge that you have made mistakes, you have rebelled against God, that you have done the wrong things, saying, okay, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And then you believe and you trust that the scriptures are telling you the truth, then what will it say next? The third section of the track is redemption through the Savior. You see this same verse 18, that speaking of all of these prophecies that the Lord has been fulfilling, what is it talking about? Well, definitely one of the main topics in the Old Testament is Christ and how he's coming to be the Messiah. He's coming to be the Savior. And it says, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So in other words, long before Jesus came to this earth, the Lord said he's going to send a Messiah. He's going to send a Savior. But why? Why did Jesus come? He came to pay the price of redemption. I know redemption may be a word you've heard before, perhaps in the marketplace, but you're thinking, what does it mean biblically? Biblically, the Old and New Testament speak of this word redemption. And what it means is the payment of a price, almost like, let's say a ransom. Perhaps you've heard that word, but it means that when you pay this price, someone gets to go free. Do you know that Christ, because his life was perfect, I mean, sinless, he never disobeyed the father because he was such a wonderful substitute. He paid the price that my sins deserved. I mean, I owe God for a life of disobedience and and broken promises and so forth. But listen to what it says in Romans chapter five, verses eight through 11. But God shows his love for us through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Hey, listen, I was on the wrong side. I was on the opposite team from God, but because of Jesus, I'm on God's team now, and so can you. Why? Because Jesus already paid for those mistakes, for all those things that you regret. You wish there was a way. Oh, I wish they could just be blotted out. Well. That's the good news, you see. Repent, therefore, and return and turn back is what he says. But right before that, he's talking about Christ suffered so that we could, what? Have our sins blotted out. Oh my goodness, what a great word. But remember, not, not only faith in Christ and trust in Christ, but also repentance is a part of that salvation commitment. When we say, okay, I know that I've been doing the wrong thing. The Bible tells me that Jesus died in my place. I believe it. I trust it. So now I I know that when he died on the cross, he died to forgive me of my sins. I believe that. But we also have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to turn from a life of sin and I'm going to turn and go toward Christ. And with his help, I'm going to try my very best to follow him through his power his strength. You see these two words, repent and return. In the Greek language, they're written in the aorist imperative tense. It means do this now without delay. There's no option about repentance. It's a part of the deal. It's like Paul, so, well, it's really Luke writing, but it's Paul Paul talking, uh, Peter talking, but Peter's saying, look, I'm moving from the indictment that God has as a holy God for all of us who are broken and sinful. I'm moving from an indictment to extending to you an invitation, but you're gonna have to turn from that direction and turn in a 180 and go toward God now, rather than toward what you wanna do, rather than toward what the world wants you to do. That's what repentance is. It's a changing of your mind that results in a changing of your direction. So instead of walking after the world, you're turning to walk after Christ. And let me just be clear, okay? I'm still so broken. I mean, the Lord's in the process of changing my life and healing my life. It's not that I, because I'm a Christian, it's not that I am sinless. It's that I sin less because I have changed my direction. And because now the Lord's on the inside, he's helping me from the inside out. He wants to help you. But I just want you to know that it's a section of the track that we have to put our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Yes, absolutely. That's the redemption we have through the Savior. But also there has to be this repentance for salvation where I'm, I'm turning and saying, Lord, please help me. I'm sick and tired of all of this. Just like that prodigal son, I'm wanting to move in your direction. You know what God does next? The next section of the track is breathtaking. It's refreshing, refreshing to the soul of man. Whenever we turn and put our faith in Christ and we're saying, Lord, I'm going to try to follow you for the rest of my life. Would you help me in my life, fill my life with what only you can put inside of it? Listen, it's refreshing It's the same word used across scripture in several different places. I'll give you an idea. For example, whenever David, before he became the king, the man who was king at that time was named Saul. He asked David to come in and play on his harp, play some of those worship songs for me, David. I'm having a bad day. So in 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says that whenever David would play, he was refreshed. Listen, I encourage you to find Christian songs, Christian music, worship music that will refresh you. If you're feeling depressed and discouraged, go to a local church, turn on the Christian radio station and listen to the songs about Jesus. It will definitely renew you and refresh you. You know, uh, even God himself, Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17 says, that on the seventh day of creation, God rested. But don't miss what it says after it says that. It says on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. Wow, isn't that incredible? You know, David was refreshed one time at the Jordan River, 2 Samuel 16, 14, Proverbs 15, 30. I like what it says. It says, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. My heart prayer for this podcast today has been this. Lord, let the good news refresh the bones, refresh the soul, the spirit, the heart of those that are listening. You know, Paul said in Romans 15, 32, that the other Christians that were located in Rome, they had refreshed him in their company. He also said something very similar to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, 18, where he talked about they had refreshed his spirit. Titus was also refreshed in 2 Corinthians 7, 13 by the people there in Corinth. Yeah, Corinth had a lot of brokenness, right? They had a lot of troubles, but there was one thing that seemed to always happen. Somehow the Lord would refresh people. Find a church, even if it's not perfect. And I guarantee you, there's somebody in that church that's going to refresh you in fellowship. You know, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, the apostle Paul said there was a dude named Onesiphorus who often refreshed him when he wrote the little bitty letter to a man named Philemon. It's called Philemon. It doesn't even have more than one chapter. So, but in Philemon, twice in that short letter, the Apostle Paul says of this man named Philemon, who was a believer, he said, you know what? You've refreshed me and you've refreshed others. I believe that God wants to refresh us whenever we turn to Christ in salvation, whenever we yield to him as his lordship every single day that we live and say, Lord, I'm running out of joy today. Lord, I'm, I'm running out of peace today. Lord I'm running out of gentleness today. <laughs> I'm kindness today. Whatever it is you're out of, listen, God can fill you right back up and refresh you. It all comes from the the presence of the Lord. Spend time in his presence every day and let the Lord refresh you once again. Well, there's a lot of people around me that kind of look around and they're watching news They're watching what's happening at their school. They're watching what's happening at work. And they're watching what's happening all through their life. And there's a lot of things that are bringing them down. And they're looking for some hope. I've got one last section of this track. If you want to get on the right track, just go through Christ. Because verse 21 is incredible. It points out there to the future. What does the future hold I don't know all the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Verse 21 talks about it. Let me read it to you. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Wow. You know, I believe that it's telling us this sixth session of the track is restoration at the summation. God's not finished yet. And I'm so glad he's not finished yet because there's people who have not yet received Christ. They haven't trusted him. They're not following him. Maybe that's you. And so God, he's not ending things today that we know of. I mean, he could, no doubt. But so far, we have more grace. We have time. And so I encourage you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of being derailed by sin. I want you to get me back on track through Christ because you've promised a better day than this day, a better time, a better season than this t- time in this season. You know, when Jesus returns to this earth, you'd be surprised. I mean, all of the weapons of war, they're going to be beaten into plowshares. They're going to be changed into farming implements. And it says in Micah that people are going to sit underneath their their uh, fig tree and their vine and and they won't be afraid. Are you afraid? I know that there's a lot of crime out there and so forth, but let me just remind you, there's a wonderful day coming when Jesus comes back and he sets up his reign and his rule here. And I mean, it's going to be an incredible day that we're going to look, Uh, forward to now by hope, but then we'll see it with our eyes. We'll enjoy it together uh, with the Lord. I just don't want you to miss it. So if you're kind of derailed right now and you say, man, I'm just not going anywhere. I feel like my, my joy's gone. My hope is gone. My peace is gone. Then I just encourage you to go to Acts chapter three, verses 17 through 21 and say, Lord, revive me lord get me back up on the track again help me to know what you can do in my life i want to be refreshing to the people that i'm around well listen i'm so glad that you uh tuned in today to growing in grace and i pray that god will uh, bless you as you meditate and think and reflect back upon this uh this broadcast it might be something that you would say you know what i didn't get all of that I want to go back and and review those principles once again. They're so simple and they're right there in the word. And this is something you could share with your kids or with a friend. And so whoever it's for, that's up to God. But one thing I trust in, he said that his word would not go back to him void. So it could be you just send a text and say, read this passage. It'll bless your life. It'll get you back on track. I don't know what God's gonna do, but I'm just so excited to share it with you. Well, why don't we pray? And let me ask the Lord to guide you as you're going through your life. Lord, thank you for my friends. I pray for them today. Uh, Lord, if they're feeling stuck and stranded, if they're feeling derailed, if uh, they're feeling discouraged, then I pray that you would encourage them. Help them to move toward Christ. Part of that movement may include repentance. I thank you, Lord, that repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is not something negative. Repentance is not something critical. And repentance is a doorway that leads us into the refreshing presence of the Lord. And so please, oh Lord, I pray that you would help my friends just to uh, be still before you. I know that you'll speak through your word. And so speak to their hearts. Uh, thank you for this time that we've shared together. And I pray that you would help these words to come back to their mind. Perhaps the next time they're in a conversation with a family member or maybe with a coworker, or uh, maybe a, a friend from school, they're having coffee together, then please help these words to come back to their mind so that they would have some hope, some direction that they could give to another. But we love you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for life and breath. Thank you for salvation. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. He makes all the difference. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, you have a great day. Pray that God will bless you. And uh, i look forward to being with you again on Growing in Grace.